You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. It's impossible for our bodies to betray us because our bodies are inherently by definition animal machines, like little animal machines that are moving always towards the goal of our greatest good as understood by our body. That may be different than what our conscious minds want, but that doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to have you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. I would like to start off this podcast by acknowledging that we are recording on the stolen and unceded land of the Susquehannock and Piscataway people native to this area known as Maryland. Hey, y'all. Um, so it is again beautiful outside, and I want to go outside. Now, I say that now, and I'm gonna go out, and it's gonna be hot, and I'm be like, Oop, nope, I'm going back in air conditioning. You can go have me out here sweating, sticky. No, thank you. And I have actually been really enjoying being outside and and enjoying the sun and the warmth and the spring going into soon being summer, but it's just been a different feeling lately for me. It's been really interesting to begin to pay more attention to how my body feels, um, how my mind thinks my body feels, how it thinks it should feel, um, and trying to just be more present. And <laughs> my, uh, I have a number of friends that uh, I don't think they make fun in a bad way, but they kind of make fun of me a little bit in that, um, I am like absolutely the like feelings person of most of my friend groups, but also like I spent a lot of time um, kind of in the shadow work of it, shadow work and like, let me be self-aware and work through like my ish and my foolishness and the things that I don't want to keep causing problems, like recognizing where growth is possible and going into the sometimes unfun areas to make progress and to grow and evolve. And they're like, you always, you are the shadow work person. Like I, and it's not because like I'm a sad person or I'm a, you know, dark or desolate type of person. It's that if I see something and it needs to be worked on, I will work on it. Now the challenge is that 
you know, any of us that do any type of shadow work, whether you recognize it as shadow work and call it that or not, but just self-evolution and growth, it never stops. So there's always more. So it just doesn't go away. And so sometimes I have those moments. Can I be just a little less self-aware? Because this is a lot. (laughs) And at the same time, it does feel gratifying to take accountability and to work on the dismantling of what doesn't help, the amplification of what does, and also recognizing where it's mine, where epigenetics has, you know, bestowed some of these things upon me, and I am working to dismantle it f- for, you know, a a lineage, you know, and, you know, just trying to be better for myself, those that I love and care for, um, those that I, I influence or I'm exposed to or that are witnessing me and, are maybe just seeing some of their own truth in some of the actions that I'm taking or, you know, hearing it in the words that I'm speaking or just any of these things that are being felt or received. Um, which is why it is so interesting that um, I'm again today graced by Maria Victoria Alvina on my show, who the first time when um, she was here with me and that was, oh gosh, that was episode I think it was 198. Oh, and now she's 208. She's, I think this is episode 208. It, I think, maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think that's where she's going to be. Like the conversations that we have, they just bring up such amazing things for me. <laughs> and so like, you know, in this episode, we talked about functional freeze. And so now I'm going to have this moment of like, okay, now I need to sit and really think about how functional freeze has shown up for me because I know it's shown up in my life. Um, Now having that language, I can kind of process that. But there's, there's so much around the concept of somatics and how the healing that can and needs to happen within our bodies can not only make a huge difference in our quality of life, but it allows us to have um, kind of a reclamation of parts of ourselves that maybe we let go of or abandon because we thought that we weren't worthy of them. Um, And so being able to have this moment of, I want and need and appreciate and can receive these things, whether it's something as simple as, again, being outside and feeling the sun on my skin to uh, love, recognition, safety, um, compassion, being able to have that not only as a thought, um, a feeling that you try to convince yourself of, but your body recognizes it and it's integrated into more of these parts of yourself. It's such a huge, amazing bountiful and sometimes elusive feeling and experience. Um, And we talked about that and so much more. And just, I am just, yeah, this episode, this episode for me was therapeutic and supportive. And I am just hoping the same for those of you that are listening to this or taking in the show notes article. I really genuinely hope that it is supportive for you. So again, welcoming back to the show, Maria Victoria Albina. 
uh, pronoun she, her, is a master certified somatic life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, and a breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans socialized as women realize that they are their own best healers by reconnecting with their bodies and minds so they can break free from codependency, perfectionism, and people pleasing to reclaim their joy. She is the host of the Feminist Wellness Podcast, holds a master's degree in public health from Boston University School of Public Health and a bachelor's of arts in Latin American studies from Oberlin College. Maria Victoria has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years and lives on occupied Muncie Lenape, my apologies if I mispronounce that, territory in New York's Hudson Valley. So without further ado, I need y'all to get into this. I want, when I become a big girl, I want to have the same take, take as you of like, my life is too vibrant for this. to yeah. even do. And it's not that I don't feel like my life is vibrant, but the point that I'm at right now, it's that full awareness that like, this is what I feel like I should say. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to say this. And I don't want to. Yeah. Because if I say this and then you take me up on this or respond to what I said, I'm going to be like, and I don't want to do this. Right. So I'm not going to put myself in that situation to feel a way about having to do the thing that I said clearly I wanted to do. Right. I'm just not going to do it. And yeah. whatever discomfort I think I'm going to feel by not offering this magical thing that I feel obligated to offer, I have to really pause and question like, why am I doing that? Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to. Who told me I had to? Nobody. Great. Right. Why am I doing it? I'm not doing it. Right. I'm just not going to. I'm too, I'm too grown for this. Yeah. <laughs> too grown for this. Too grown for it. And I just, I'm no longer available. And, and PS, I'm loving that phrase. It's been a couple years I've been saying it. I'm no longer available for substances to dysregulate my nervous system. I'm no longer available to say yes when I mean no. I'm no longer available to mm. fake friendships. Oh, here's a big one. I'm no longer available to chase people. Oh, child. Mm. Right? You know, like I, I moved up to the Hudson Valley from Brooklyn in um, the pandemic, and it's been challenging to make friends up here. And I, over the winter, spent a little time being like, hi, hi, do you want to hang out? 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 And then I just was like, yo, wait, bada, bada, stop. Why are you chasing people who are not responding to your text messages? Yeah. Why are you like, want to go for a walk? Want to have drinks? Want to come over for dinner? And like, you're getting, you're not getting, you're not getting the energetic response. Why? Stop chasing. Stop yeah. chasing, right? And and what sort of started us on this tip was talking about offerings, right? And right. and giving from the heart and making the choice to not live in resentment. And that's what it is for me, right? So when I used to offer things I didn't want to give away, my time, my energy, my love, my sweater, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, half my dinner. Uh, right. I would be resentful on the back end. Right. Like, I remember this time. This is so wild. Brains are so wild. I think I was like 10. 
And I came, I like won the raffle at like a roller skating birthday party. Like who's from the 90s, right? Um, <laughs> that's the most like late 80s, early 90s. We had a ro- someone had a roller skate birthday party. I uh, have a whole project I'm working on about roller skating. Um, do you? So we can talk about that Let's later. Let's talk about yes. it. My partner actually found a pair of roller skates my size at the gas station the other day. What? Someone had just like left them there. Oh my gosh. Is that weird? That is telling you that you need some wheels, man. I do. I, well, I have some wheels now. I like I mean, we that. disinfected the hell out of them. Oh, cause yeah, because it's gas station gas wheels. Gas station like- wheels. But, you know, whatever. I was just like, yeah, I had like a garbage bag in the car to put them in because I was like, I don't want to even put them in the trunk. You know what I no. mean? Because they're gas station wheels. But, you know. Correct. Anyway, got them home, bleached them. Good to see what we do with those wheels. Point being, I like remember this time from like 30 years ago where I like came home with like my favorite candy bar that I had won in like this raffle. And my sister was like, oh, can I have some? And I was like, no. And she's like, come on. Right. Because we're Irish twins. Like, of course, she just was like, that's her job. I'm not mad at her. I, she just kept pushing and pushing. And because I felt like I wasn't worthy of having, good things. I felt like it was my job to take care of others and put their needs ahead of my own, right? I had this Mm. whole emotional outsourcing codependent script in my brain around my worthiness and what I could have and what was available for me and what I was supposed to do for others that I just, I remember like throwing it at her and being like, fine, you have it. And being like super resentful. It's like my first experience Mm. of resentment. And I was like eight or 10 or something. Right. Right? And I felt Ugh. that that deep embedded story, that operating system within me that said, you must give yourself away. You must give away the things you love. Like you can't, you're not worthy of it. You, we can't have good things. We can't have nice things. And mm. I'm just so done. Eh. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I have I have a lot of things here. I have a lot of okay. things here. Okay. One is the fact that I know that as a black woman, there are a lot of narratives that I am continuously tossing out and overturning mm-hmm. of what I can have, what I should have, what I should want, what I'm allowed to keep, mm-hmm. um, what I must share what mm. I must give away, what I am not allowed to feel about any of those. Mm. Um, and I don't say this from a place of like, oh, poor me, Black women feel these things, but there are clearly narratives around it. And it makes me think of something that was in the news, um, I don't know, a month or two ago from recording this of, um, I don't remember the whole story, but this black woman was being very vocal about the type of person she didn't want to date. Mm -hmm. And part of the conversation that I heard around it that I actually really appreciated was that why are we giving her flack for her sharing what her standards or wants or desires are for herself? But we wouldn't question that for an Indian woman, for a white woman, for an Asian woman. We don't question some women in other cultures about what their standard is, what Mm. standard has been given to them by their parents of like, I am going to put you in a position to be this type of person because I want you 
to be able to be partnered at the same level or above. But somehow this black woman was being questioned of how dare you? How dare you be at X, Y, Z level and you won't step down financially, if nothing else, to date somebody that makes significantly less? How dare you? And I was like, oh, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Number one, it's not okay to decide what someone else's standards or parameters are for themselves. But the biggest thing that really kind of struck me, and it was laid out by one of my favorite podcast host, Demetra L. Lucas, on her show, Ratchet and Respectable, about I'm not out here to have anybody else telling me anything about my standards. I'm not going to justify them to you. I'm not going to explain them to you. I don't need you to validate them. Right. These are my standards for my own reasoning. They don't have to make sense to you. You don't have to agree with them. And so I think whenever that conversation comes up around worthiness or what I can have or what I have to give away, part of it I'm, I'm, you know, that's been connecting in my head recently has been this piece of like, but how much of this is simply the thing and how much is our need for somebody else to validate that it makes sense and it's okay to them? Mm. Yeah. I know that was a big old rabbit hole, <laughs> but it was just like, wait, I can't just feel this. I need you to give me permission to feel this. I don't like that. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're you're right that we've, so many of us have been so trained in that in so many different ways, right? Secondary do living in the patriarchy, white settler colonialism, late stage capitalism, right? These these oppressive forces make those of us living in bodies marginalized by those forces believe that our volition, our agency, our desire, our wants, pff, not good enough. No. Not good enough. Absolutely not. Not worthy enough. Right? No. You can't. Right. So on on any level, whether it's who you want to date, what career you want to have, whether you can keep your own candy bar. Right. From the, right. From the deep real shit to like the bullshit that like is a is a really big deal to a nine year old. But, you know. Yeah. And that instead, like we were saying, the imperative is to live from obligation, to live from has to um, to live from the roles that are created for us and imposed upon us instead of really being actors and agents in our own lives, which is what lets those systems continue to perpetuate themselves, right? Well, that's the whole thing. There's, it feels like there's very little space or permission to choose what it is that you want, need, desire, what your, what your boundaries are, what your standards are, being able to enforce them and not have the internal pull to have them validated by the exact people that invalidated you to begin with. Right. And that's, that's you know, in a nutshell, that's what I teach, right? Like that's the work we do in my six-month program, Anchored, is about coming home to ourselves, getting anchored in ourselves, in our own nervous systems, creating uh, felt energetic and emotional safety within ourselves, which is right. So we're, we're being really thoughtful here to say that we're not talking about physical safety in the physical world, particularly for humans in marginalized bodies, right? Like black bodies are not safe in this country, beginning, middle, end of that, right? So emotional safety with yourself, self-intimacy that allows you to weigh the consequences and say, meet out the consequence, like I can do I can be available for things I don't want to do, 
be available for. I can, you know, I, I have used the term self-abandoned before, and I, I actually have never really been fully comfortable with it. It's just colloquially so easy, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not that we're truly abandoning ourselves. We're, we're doing what leads has led to our own survival in the past, no? Mm-hmm. Which is to do what emotionally puts us last. So, right. But but if we may just use the term for ease, right? Like I'm going to self-abandon, meaning I'm going to fulfill that good girl role. I'm going to people please. I'm going to be codependent. I'm going to be that perfectionist. I'm going to stay late on this project even though I'm not getting paid extra. I'm going to mm. um, date someone who, you know, settle. God, I have settled romantically Ooh. so hard. My, my partner and I were just talking about this this morning because, you know, oh. she did it for years too. Right. Where we both were like, I don't like this relationship. I don't like being with this person, but here we are. I guess I'm I'm here. Right. Yeah. And so it's really about creating that safe container within your ourselves for ourselves, from which we can say, I am no longer available to disappoint me. <laughs> that right. That. Well, and the interesting thing is, is I think when we think about it from a place of being partnered. It can make it easy to kind of from the outside in to kind of witness where it's like, oh, this is not the standard that you you set for yourself that you have chosen to, quote unquote, deal with or to to stick with. Um, I think that sometimes that can be an easier way to visualize it. The interesting part is I think that it's a lot harder to recognize when we think about it in the context of familial relationships or in the workplace. And the reason I think that is because if we think about familial relationships, there's the pressure of, oh, well, it's your fill in the blank. I just I just have to call. I just have to. It's bullshit. Call, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's like trying to be more. It is. No, it is. I don't know why, but it's bullshit. And like just because someone's your blood doesn't mean shit if they're not treating you right no and that and that's something that i i have made choices from a familial perspective to not maintain certain relationships because they were harmful or they weren't conducive to what i wanted to amplify and have more of in my life and yet i have repetitively heard that narrative oh they are oh aren't you sad or oh any of that and it's like uh, no, no. The same way if somebody says that they're getting a divorce and people automatically say, oh, I'm so sorry. And they're like, sorry for what? Like, that, no, no, no. Don't be sorry for me. Be, be, be glad that I claim myself back. Right. So like when I, wit- when I witness people say that, when I, I, I like I've literally witnessed that, like I've witnessed people say, I'm, you know, I've gotten a divorce or I'm, I'm me and that person aren't married anymore and how that would play out. And it always automatically goes as if there was a loss or a death. And this person is like, no, I'm actually, I actually had a re- rebirth happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what my divorce felt like, was like right. finally fully choosing myself, you know? But the way the way people process it is, is like, it's a negative. Yeah, this is so funny. I just love, this happened last time I was on your show where like, my partner and I were talking about our divorces last night and we're talking about literally exactly this, that people don't know how to meet you when you no. say, oh, I'm getting a divorce. Because both for her and for I, it was like the greatest moment of self-liberation self-liber- and self-reclamation to walk away from 
shitty marriages where we were not being treated well. Right. Right. And right. so, but you tell people, you're like, oh, I'm getting a divorce. And even, well, we were talking about this. So like my my dear friend, Kara, is also a life coach. And I was like, hey, Kara, I'm finally divorcing that person. To which she replied, how do you feel about that? And I said, really friggin' great. Like, I'm reclaiming my life. This is amazing. I'm sick of being abused. I'm sick of this bullshit. And she was like, well, then, hallelujah, let's let's go out and have champagne. And I was like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? But And when you tell people in general who are not life coaches and therapists and right, people like us who think about these things, right? right. They're just, yeah, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. Mm-mm. No. Oh. I think part of it, if nothing else, even if you're not someone that maybe has um, a an in tune way of of catching, like picking right. out what people putting down. Okay? Yeah, even, exactly, exactly. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you don't, if 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 you don't even have that, um, just pay attention to how it's being shared. To the tone, right? That's one of the things we definitely know from you know. So a huge focus of my work is the nervous system. Okay, wait. I'm a nerd. You ready? Come on, do it. Okay, I just need to double check. Uh, close, do you have closed toe shoes, safety goggles? Are you ready for nerding? Yeah. Get that pocket protector ready. Okay, so prosody of voice. This, this, God, humans are so nature. Oh, science. God, I love this shit. Prosody of voice. So I don't know if you've ever heard, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yes. And like, I always thought that was just like a cute colloquialism. Like, okay, whatever. It's like a very cute kindergarten teacher thing to say, having been a cute kindergarten teacher for like one minute in like 2001. Mira, mm. anyway. So <laughs> it really is how you say it, meaning our nervous system, our autonomic or automatic nervous system, which is controlled by the vagus nerve, which controls our mood, our energy, how we take in cues of safety and danger and how we react or respond to cues of safety and danger. Mm-hmm. That nervous system is listening to words, but it's really listening for tone. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I don't know anyone who has a dog or baby who hasn't like taken that adorable and or cat, or, you know, whatever, and gone, oh, you're such a terrible little dog. Who's my terrible, you're just such a stinky, bad little dog. And the dog's like, I love you too, I love you too. Right. Right. Mammalian nervous systems are attuned to tone. So, so. I have a question on that, because I just finished reading the book Bittersweet by Susan Cain. And she mentioned how she was at a conference And someone was talking about a loss in their life. Mm. And the person that was leading this training was like, okay, so let's acknowledge, you know, like this one particular piece of this in that if we turn the sound off and could not hear what you said, Mm. your body, your Uh candor, the way that you're showing up and your intonation. Yeah. Could hey, you could have been talking about the weather? You could have been talking about grocery yeah. shopping. You could have been talking about this great thing that you just did, and right. you were talking about a traumatic moment. And so, this is Oof. where I also want to acknowledge: where does tone betray the truth? And and I think that where is when we're in functional freeze, mm. right? So, uh, okay, so functional freeze is when. Our nervous system is bouncing often quite quickly 
from sympathetic to dorsal, sympathetic to dorsal. So from fight or flight to freeze and collapse, right? So I'm revved up in adrenaline and checked out. And we're sort mm. of experiencing life in this in-between state. And it's called functional freeze because we're functional. We're out in the world. We're doing things. We are in, and I lived this way for the first like 30 plus years of my life, right? Going out and getting medical degrees, getting a master's in public health, getting married, buying a house, starting a business, meow, 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 meow. People proving left, right, and center. Look at me. I'm worthy of love, but I don't really believe it. Right. And so the freeze part is right. I was frozen to my own emotions. I was frozen um, to the core of me and how I felt about me, about the world, how I felt. I'll say I, I could do mad, sad, and glad. I'm not a monster. Right. But right. I couldn't. But the complexity and the depth of like feeling, I was just, it was just a wash. I was fine. I'm fine. Yep. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yep. No, just fine. I was fine. For like 30 years, I was just fine. No, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm fine. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, no, totally. I'm I, I'm Look actually dying inside, but I'm fine. Oh, oh my gosh. Right? And so it's this combination of feeling this pull of like dying inside, but also fine. And it's like a simulcast, right? Like you are actually, it feels like you're feeling both at the same time. And it's that functional freeze of the nervous system trying to protect you. So you're never really in ventral vagal, which is a safe and social part of the nervous system, where I am right now. I feel so, what go, we were talking about this before we hit record. There's just something, the second I hear your voice, my nervous system goes, ah. and I just feel grounded and calm. There's just this energetic that you support me around, right? That you create, and not just me, I, I can imagine that Everyone who gets the, the pleasure of being in your presence feels that. Tranquila. Shh. Right? And so that was not a state I really knew before. Like that calm and at ease. Right? And so the way – so back to, to um, the, the example you were sharing, how you can be talking about something that was actually quite traumatic in your life, but you're like – yeah, you know, and then yeah, I was I was uh, on a sailing ship, and uh, the a monster came out of the ocean and it ate everyone on the ship in front of me. And um, no, I watched them die a grisly death, and um, yeah, I was the only one who survived. Um, and I have no limbs now; it's I'm actually just a face. And like, do you know what I mean? And you're like right. telling this horrifying story, and you're yeah. just like, fine, like you're telling right. that monotone. That is often from being either in dorsal, in the freeze, in the shutdown, or in that functional freeze where you're, you're just, you're like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm still like doing things in the world. I actually just got a PhD yesterday. I did it in one day. It's fine. Um, so the, the, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. And so this is super duper common. And so the women I, the humans I work with, which are AFAB folks, um, I have a deep experience of this are like very, tend to be professionally quote unquote successful who like have families and kids and lives and right have like checked all the boxes and are still really unhappy or know that there's more right know mm -hmm. that they could be feeling more feeling better could be just more present more alive more intentional more attuned just more in their bodies in their lives 
And the answer, the the way to there lies, yes, through mindset, but mostly through the nervous system, through the body, through somatics, where somatics means body-based modalities that return us to a deep presence with the wholeness of self. So I'm going to say the quiet part out loud that I know for years has been tough for me and may have been tough for other people. And so if you resonate with this, no, you're not alone. Mm. The introduction of the concept of somatics Mm -hmm. and what that meant and that it was addressing what what was in the body Mm -hmm. felt scary to me for reasons Mm -hmm. initially I couldn't figure out. And then I recognized it was because I had a fear of my body having betrayed me before and will it betray me in this process because of how my brain or my spirit, you know, is processing something versus what my body is or is not doing. And so that incongruency had me thinking that there was that betrayal there Mm. or this, this untruth. Right, right. And I think where I would meet, so A, number one, thank you for naming that. Thank you for saying that out loud. You just helped somebody. So, I hope so. I genuinely no, I know do. It. I feel it in my heart. Yeah, you just helped somebody. It's hard. So, no, it is. It is. And that's that, that like hard is where I would start. No? Yeah. Like start with that story that your body betrayed you. Because it it didn't. No. Right? Like bodies aren't, cannot. It's impossible. Right? Um, It's impossible for our bodies to betray us because our bodies are inherently by definition animal machines, like little animal machines that that are moving always towards the goal of our greatest good as understood by our body. Right. Osea. That may be different than what our conscious minds want, but that doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. So that's where I think I, you know, had to kind of have that awareness and still working toward it of just like, wait, none of none of these areas that seem simple, whether it's my physical body, um, you know, the, the thoughts that I think, the feelings that I feel, none of them were wrong. Right. And I want to go back to, you know, some of the things that you mentioned the first time that you were on the show, which was why I wanted you to come back. But like literally what we talked about back on episode 198 literally was that piece of like, this was about survival. This was what needed to happen to protect me. This Mm. was a way of of shielding the precious items which is which is the mm, self the precious items and oh. recognizing that the betrayal is to think that any of them were a part of a betrayal exactly yeah and, yeah and just trying to reconcile like trying to let everybody know that like hey we can actually all play in here together because you know getting getting everybody on a more similar page now there are definitely going to be times to where you know your thoughts or your feelings might catch something before another part of your body has has integrated or processed it but to know that everybody 
can play in the pool together right. when it didn't feel like that was possible right. for so much of your life. Right. And I'll, I, I am hearing you through the, the lens and the assumption that you're talking about everybody meaning uh, parts, right? Internal family mm-hmm. systems kind of framework of, of parts of us. Yeah. That as well as literally the, this is my mind, this is my spirit, this is my body. Yeah. Like all Mm -hmm. of these individual parts of ourselves. And I do think that like, you know, our our, our conditioning from families of origin, there's all of these things Mm. that are also influencing it as well. But Mm -hmm. it almost just feels like there's this. it's, It's like it's like the Barbie doll that you took the legs and the arms off of it and the head. The things don't play together, right? They're, right. They're, it's literally disjointed, literally, because your heart doesn't know how to feel when you witness somebody physically wanting to show you kindness. Your heart is like, oh no, no, no. Even if you want it, like one part of you is saying yes, the other part is like, I don't know what to do with this. Freeze. This is you know. Or another part is like, no, this is a threat. Run. Like. You're literally getting mixed signals mm-hmm. from these different areas of yourself. Or if you think about it from a chakra perspective, it's like you're trying to be grounded, but yet your heart is unable to be present. And you can't, I can't be grounded here. We got to go. Can you do this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like, there's just this, there is no flow. There's no congruency. And it's, trying to get everybody to communicate with one another. Mm. Well, this might feel scary. Right. But it's just because it's different. We don't have to run right now. Right. Not That's, yeah. What's happening? Yep. Let's, let's find out what's happening before we, you know, go Jackie join the curse this. We don't have to do that yet. <laughs> like, hold up. Hold the phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can give ourselves um a little more space. Right. And that's 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 the gift of somatic practice, right? Is it helps us to to give ourselves a little more space, a little pause. That's been the greatest gift for me, right? That's what's helped me step back into my agency in like a in a real embodied way and not just a cognitive, I am a powerful woman, which like never made me feel powerful, to be honest. <laughs> okay. So that piece. Okay. That piece yeah. is absolutely true. And that's where that pause in that space. That's the mm-hmm. piece that I think is a little bit tougher to actually figure out what does that mean? And I want to acknowledge that for some Mm. people, that pause is a privilege because you don't feel like you have the space or the time or the freedom or the safety to do it. And so how do you even, even if you don't know how to feel it yet, how do you even wrap your brain around that concept? Of being able to pause Mm-hmm. That like, oh, space will help. Pause will help. Because if you have somebody that is <clears throat> in, in hustle and move and run, like it is hard to process that slowing down is actually where the win is. Right. I mean, I think it starts. right. OK, so <clears throat> I talk a lot and this is a central tenet of somatic and nervous system work. Um, baby steps are way too fucking big. Think about the size of a baby's foot. What's that? Three inches. That's enormous. Yeah. Don't, don't, please do not take baby steps. Please, mm-hmm. I beg of thee. Mm-hmm. We, in my, in my world, we take kitten steps. Newborn kitten steps. What's that? Two centimeters. No, it's not that big. A centimeter. Right? Yeah, that's about right. Kitten steps are very, very, very tiny. 
And we start there because one of the worst things we can do to ourselves is to try to push ourselves to make huge change, to take, take massive leaps. And then we send ourselves right into sympathetic activation, fight or flight, flood our bodies with adrenaline, eventually cortisol. And what does that tell us about us? Oh, she's not safe. 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 Oof. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Right? And so when we're trying to make change, I don't recommend the very U.S. American um, New Year's resolution. Um, okay, so I haven't exercised in like a whole year, but tomorrow is New Year's Day. And so that means I'm going to go to the gym for six hours a day, three times. <laughs> Three times a day, every day, forever. That part. That part, right? That's what we do to ourselves. We do. It's some bullshit. It no. is. That's no. why it don't last. Right. So I recommend you start with like, okay, I'm going to walk in my apartment till the end of this one Lizzo song. Mm-hmm. Just one Lizzo song. That's it. That's all. That's it. Right. And, and, and allowing yourself to trust you that you're not only going to keep walking the whole two minutes and 37 seconds, but you're not going to keep walking past that without a check in with yourself. Because that's the other way we mess up trust with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We push through our own boundaries and limits, which is like top tier emotional outsourcing business. Right. We don't respect our own boundaries in any direction. As somebody that will violate my own before I violate someone else's, mm-hmm. which I hate that, but that is mm. also, again, another piece of that protection. Right. Because if I violate my own, I won't receive the thing that I will mm-hmm. if I violate somebody else's right. when it was l- literally mentally, physically, or emotionally unsafe Right. to do it. Yep. That piece. Yep. That piece. That's the piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we start with these teeny tiny kitten steps. We start with making small, daily, keepable promises to ourselves. I talk about this on my podcast on feminist wellness um, in the framework of minimum daily baseline. Uh, And we just slowly build up from there, right? That's how we build that trust. So what's a minimum daily baseline? Tell us what that means. It's making that promise that that tiny, 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 tiny tiny. Whatever you're thinking you're going to promise, make it small. Half. Half. Put half back. Come on now. That tiny promise. And I, we, you do it every single day, not because you want to do the thing. I'll say that. Like, it's not like, I'm going to work out every day because I want to feel strong. Like, it's not about the workout. It's about doing it. So what I recommend people do, honestly, is start with something you're going to do anyway. I will drink one glass of water today. And then what you do is you create the mental script right? The mindset shifts. We're working our neuroplasticity here, our brain's capacity to change and shift and believe new things. And when you have that one glass of water that you were literally going to have anyway, because you would die if not, you you (laughs) say to yourself, I am having this glass of water because I promised myself I would. This is me out here taking care of me. This is me out here keeping my promises to me, right? And in that framing, your mind and your body begin to believe that you are someone who does what they say, right? You are someone trustworthy in mind and body. Oof. Mm. Oof. Right? Oof. Yeah. So that's, that's where we start. And then we honor, you know, 
we make it easy to not quote unquote betray ourselves. And you could even, if that story, if that language is in your brain, start to write the opposite, right? This is evidence that I, I do not betray me. Mm-hmm. And start to just rewrite that term, that word, that, that everything. And then listen, you know what you could do? And, and if the goal is one, or not the goal, if the task is, is one glass of water a day, maybe don't skip that. But um, you could, if it's something else, <laughs> skip it and actively intentionally do it and say, I am not betraying myself by choosing not to do this today. Mm. I am making an intentional choice. Because again, it's not the doing of the thing. It's the intentionality. It's the choicefulness. That's it. I'm I'm actually just going to pause for a second because I'm like, okay. I could clearly just talk to you for the next four hours. Right. So I'm like, 400. Before. I think we might need to do a part three and four and 27. I'm like, yeah, we. I'm just okay. going to keep bringing you back. So, I'm not busy. <laughs> yes, you are. You are out here saving the world. And you just don't even know it. Ah, you just don't even So what I want to say before we go is, I first of all, just thank you. Because mm. I always just appreciate the fact that um, the conversations that I have with you clearly go exactly where they need to go every time we have them. And I'm immensely grateful for it and for your mm. allowing it to to take its life in that way. So mm. that part, just thank you. And if you were to remind those that are listening to take an action based on what we said, but you want to remind them it's, it's a kitten-sized step. Kitten-sized step. Um, if there was one kitten-sized action that you would want people to take based on the conversation that we've had here and mm. how it feels for them, what would it be? Run a consent check. Oh, Yep. Oh, say more. Am I... Oh, and, and I, you know, in Anchored, in my six-month program, we talk a lot about consent with other people and how we're talking to others, how we're controlling them, how we're manipulating that, like, outward consent. And culturally, we talk about outward consent, but inward consent. Are, are you actually consenting to the way your brain is talking to you right now? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I can't believe I missed my turn. What in the F is wrong with me? I'm so dumb right now. Yo, ho- whoa, yeah, oh. Are you actually consenting to someone talking to you like that? Wow. Is that real? You're con- are you a- you're actually would you consent to someone else talking to you that way? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So why are you consenting to you talking to you that way? Mm, that. Oof, okay. So what I'm also going to say is this is where I want you to tell the people more about you, where they can find you, and where if they want to talk to you about like, oh, um, I need to work on this consent with myself. Yeah. Please let the good people know where they need to go to find out more about you and to reach out to you. Yeah. So uh, you can follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albina, A-L-B as in boy, I-N-A, wellness. You can head on over to my website, victoriaalbina.com slash pause on the play where you can receive a beautiful gift just for being a listener of this amazing show. How fun is that? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're easy to love. So easy to give you presents to you and your people. And so that's a suite of meditations, uh, nervous system supporting, orienting exercises, and inner child meditation. You can go check all of that out right there, victoriaalbina.com slash pause on the play. 
You can check out my podcast, which is called Feminist Wellness, and it comes out free every Thursday for humans of all genders. Learn about psychology, the nervous system, neuroscience, all the nerdiness we've been talking about, and so much more. You can work with me in my six-month program called Anchored. You can learn more at victoriaalbina.com slash anchored. And uh, in my new three-month program, The Somatic Studio, where we work uh, with somatics. It's very exciting. And that's, that's it. That's where to find me. I love it. I love it. There are multiple places. No excuses. Maria Victoria, thank you. Sí. So Ay, thank much. you. Ay, que lindo. This is wonderful. And I can't wait for the next time. Same. Thank you, my love. Again, that whole functional freeze, that piece right there in this kitten step. Y'all, I'm about to be kitten stepping all over this place. (laughs) That is huge because I have always been given that concept of a baby step. And Maria Victoria is absolutely correct. Like baby step can feel huge when, you know, we have been frozen. And so a kitten step definitely feels more approachable, more doable, and it feels more accurate when it comes to, you know, that promise to myself. And it feels, it feels very aligned. So like, I'm so excited for this for me. And I'm excited for any of you that are going to embark on experiencing this yourself. And again, I highly recommend reaching out to Maria Victoria, if you are ready to embark on, you know, any of the amazing three or six month offerings that she has, or again, going over to the amazing free meditations that she is providing at victoriaalbina.com forward slash pause on the play so that you can actually like experience what has been created for us. And again, she gives good gram. So she's on the gram if that's where you at. Wherever it is that you are, she can meet you there. And I'm just, I'm so glad that we had this conversation and that you were able to witness it. So for every single time that you are here, again, witnessing these real conversations, because that's exactly what this was, so that we can normalize the challenging things and make them a part of our everyday exchanges. I thank you for doing this. Together, this is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection while crossing lines and recreating boundaries in order to support, not separate. Together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going, y'all. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. 
Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?